If you have your Bible today, I'd like you to open with me to the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 15, and we will begin in just a moment in verse 11. Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. And we're going to continue our study in, uh, in Luke's Gospel. And, and today we're going to read a rather lengthy parable that Jesus tells. And it's, it's one that many people know. It's near and dear to many people's hearts. And even people that are not, uh, maybe they don't have a church background, didn't grow up in the church, are uh, not churchgoers. Many of them are familiar with the general idea of the parable, even if they don't know all the details. It's a powerful picture of the love and forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. And it's the parable that many times we call the parable of the prodigal son. And it doesn't tell, I mean, the, the focus is not so much on the son that, uh, that it goes to the far country and returns, but rather on the, uh, on the nature of the forgiving father. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. And, um, and, and so what, you remember, Jesus, the, the, there's a context to this. Jesus didn't just come out and start telling stories. He didn't just tell this story to tell a, a, a nice story. He didn't just tell this story to tell about the forgiveness of God. Remember, Jesus is defending himself because he was welcoming tax collectors and sinners. Um, people that were the undesirables in society were flocking to him. And not only were they coming to hear him, but also he was receiving them warmly. He was greeting them, and he was sitting down and eating with them. And that scandalized the scribes and Pharisees. They saw this, and they, they just couldn't believe that Jesus would do such a thing. And they got very unhappy with him, began to grumble. And I, I tell you, some of these Pharisees had to be Baptists because they were grumbling about everything. And they, they grumbled, they complained. And so Jesus uh, knew what they were saying. He knew what was in their hearts. And so he told three parables all about things that were lost and found. And so he told about the lost sheep and, uh, and the, the lost coin. We looked at those two last week. And this time he's going to tell about the lost son. And again... The, uh, the, the whole point of this is about, the, uh, about one who is lost and, and is found, and the seeking and then the rejoicing when the lost has been found. Now, I've, I've grouped this parable under some headings that all start with the letter R that will hopefully aid in memory. And so if you found um, Luke 15 and verse 11, please stand with me in honor of God's word if you're able, and we'll read down to the end of the chapter. Jesus says, And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the, the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would, gladly fill, uh, would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. 
he was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in, and his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live, and was lost and has been found. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, the first R that I want you to see in our text today is rebellion. Rebellion. And, and it's, it's not hard to see this. If you look back at uh, verses 12 and following, this, this, this man has two sons. Jesus is telling him this, this story. And he says, The younger of the sons came to the father, and he demanded, he, he requested his part of the inheritance. Now, in other words, he's saying, You know, one of these days, Dad, you're not going to be around. And, uh, and, and this would have been unusual it, but it wouldn't have been unheard of for a father to divide his inheritance to his living children while he was still alive. Because what would happen sometimes is, is if maybe a father was getting up there in age, maybe he wasn't able to get out and do all that he uh, would like to be able to do, could normally do, and his children had reached maturity, sometimes what would happen is he would decide to divvy up what would be coming to them. He would give that to them while they were still alive. They would take possession in the sense that they would have their name on the deed, but they couldn't sell the land, they couldn't do those things. The father would still have full use of all the produce from it, but it was technically theirs. The thing is, usually that was instituted or instigated by the father. And so when this, when this son comes up and, and makes, this, makes this request, it would be quite insulting because he's essentially saying, Dad, you know, one of these days you're not going to be around. Um, I don't want to wait for that. So if you could just kind of hurry this process up and, and get me what's coming to me, uh, I would be much obliged. And so uh, he would, he, he, it would be a very insulting thing. It would have been a slap in the face. But be that as it may, this father uh, divided up his estate. Two-thirds went to the older son by custom. The other third went to the younger son by custom. And, uh, and that, that was that. Now, the Bible says that not many days after that, the, uh, the younger son gathered all of his stuff, and he went off to a far country. In other words, this was his plan. This, this, this was something he'd been thinking about for a while. This was, this was, he, he decided, you know what, I'm going to go live high on the hog, so to speak. I'm, I'm going I'm to go live in the lap of luxury. I don't like all these rules and regulations of home. The grass is going to be greener out there in the far country. And so, so here we see the, the second R. He, he gathered up all of his stuff. Uh, probably sold it at a discount price in order to, to, to get, you know, he converted it into cash. He wanted to do it fast. And so he, uh, he, he, was, he was selling it. He put it on Facebook Marketplace. He, he, was, he, he was pawning it. He was doing anything he could to get money in his, in his pocket. And he went off to the far country. And here we see the second R, and that is ruin. Ruin. The Bible says that he went off into the far country, and there he squandered his estate. He squandered his estate. He wasted it. Now, you don't have to be a college graduate to know how to waste. I mean, he, he, he just went out and he spent. And maybe, maybe you know people like that. Maybe you've done that. 
you, you went out and you, you spend all you have. And there was nothing coming in. There was, only, there was no income. There was only outgo. And he was just, he was just blowing through his money. He, was, he, he, was spending, he spent it all. And, and Dave Ramsey, it's a good thing he wasn't hearing this because he probably would have had a coronary. Because the wording that the Bible uses says that when it, when it says that he squandered it, it means that he, he lived saving nothing. He, he was not putting anything back in an emergency fund. He just spent it all. He was loose with his money. He was loose, loose with his morality. And, and he went to the bars. He was buying people drinks every night. He went home with a, a different woman on his arm each night. He was living it up. Everybody wanted to be his friend because he was, he was, he was footing the bill for everything. So he had lots of people that were surrounding him. And so the Bible says that he went through and he was squandering everything that he had. And, and when he had nothing left, that's when he needed it the most. He was spending freely. And, uh, and, and he didn't think about the fact he only had so much money at his disposal. And he spent it all. Now probably, the, the Bible says that when that hit, or when he did that, a severe famine hit the land. Now we've not really experienced a severe famine in this country. Probably the closest thing in, in recent history would have been like the Dust Bowl in the 30s when, when uh, I mean, everything was dried up and, and crops were, uh, were failing in the fields and people were, were losing their jobs. and It was just a terrible time. But even that pales in comparison because, because famines over there, remember, they didn't, have, they didn't have the trade and infrastructure that we have here. So they didn't have the warehouses. They didn't have the ability to, to bring in and import food from elsewhere in the world and all sorts of things. And so there was, theirs was an agrarian culture. They lived off the crops and the livestock. So you get a drought, for instance, and, and we know how things have been. I mean, it's been, what, like maybe eight weeks, and we hadn't had any rain. And things, I mean, our yard, if you walk through it, it, it was crunchy. And... And I'd, I'd drive along, and I'd look out in the fields, and there were, you know, most places around here are pasture, but, but where there are crops, like there are corn and stuff, and it's all shriveled up and, and stunted. And that's just eight weeks. I mean, you, you think about if it. If that was prolonged, what's going to happen? I mean, all your crops are, are, are going to fail. And you think about what happens if that happens in a region. All the crops fail. You don't have... A Walmart, you don't have a Sam's, you don't have a Costco, you don't have any of that stuff. You don't have price cutter, nothing. Everybody's in the same boat. There's no food. All the pastures are drying up. Livestock starts to die. And all of a sudden, you don't have any food. I mean, it, it would be, a, it would be a, a terrible place to be, and it would be a, a, a very a, a place of, of desperate need. And that's what happened when this man had spent everything. He didn't have the resources to go and, and maybe, uh, hey, you know, if it, I'll, I'll, I'll pay double for that loaf of bread that you got sitting there. I mean, it, he couldn't do any of that. He didn't have anything to spend. And so the Bible says, verse 15, finally, he's out in the far country. Finally, verse 15, he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. Now, the, the wording that's used is very expressive. It, it means to be glued to or cemented to. When it says he hired himself out. So he went, and I can just see him going from place to place. Hey, can, 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 can you, do you have any work for me? Can I, can I do something to, to earn some money? I mean, I'll, I'll, we'll work for food. I mean, he was, he, he was desperate. And the wording that's used it indicates that this man didn't hire him because of his work ethic. He didn't look at his resume and say, oh, you, you spent you know, 10 years on your father's farm doing this, and you know, it wasn't any of that. 
most likely this guy would have been pestering this this landowner over and over and over again. He was sitting at his gate, and every day the guy got up, and he would, and and this younger son was there, and he would bother him, he would pester him, and finally the man evidently just said, you know what, if he's going to be here anyway, I might as well get him out of the way for me. He can go feed the pigs. Who ever heard of a of a Jewish man uh, feeding pigs? But that's what this that's what this that's what this young man did. I mean, he, this was as low as he could get. He's in a, a foreign Gentile land working for a, a Gentile uh, employer feeding unclean animals. I mean, the, the Gentiles, the, the Jews called them dogs in derision. I'm not talking about little, not, not talking about uh, Lassie or, or, or Fido. I mean, they, they called them dogs in derision. They, they couldn't stand Gentiles. And swine herdsmen were not only considered the lowest of the low in Jewish society. I mean, just in that whole region of the world, I mean, even the dregs of society wouldn't marry him. I mean, they were, they were off limits. They were uh, persona non grata. Uh, they, they, were, they, they were off limits. This man had been brought low. And listen, sin will bring you low. Sin will bring you to ruin. Sin will bring about disgrace. And that's what this man, that's what he experienced. Sin will debase you. And he was so desperate for food. Verse 16, if in the King James, I, I, can't, I can't read this passage or think about this passage without hearing that word. He fain would have filled his belly. What does fain mean? It means he would, he would have been happy to do it. He would have been glad. He would have jumped at the chance to fill his belly with pig's food. Now you've got to be pretty low. I mean, now pigs, they're pretty enthusiastic whenever they eat. But I still don't want to eat whatever it is they're putting in their mouths. Now, it says the husks. It depends on your translation. You may say the husks. You may think about corn shucks. That's not, that's, they're, they're not feeding them corn here. And, and if, you'll, if you notice, it uses the word pods. Now what would happen is over there they had carob trees and, and they, on these carob trees they would have pods that would get about 8 or 10 inches long and about an inch wide, kind of like the locust tree. And, and inside these pods uh, was this, were, were the seeds and this gelatinous substance that I, I've never tasted it, but reportedly doesn't taste too bad whenever it's fully ripe. And in times of distress what they would do is they would, uh, if they didn't have any other food, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. They would actually eat that gelatinous substance out of those pods. And then, of course, they had, you know, they're still trying to keep animals alive, so they'd feed livestock with those pods that were left over. It had all the good taken out of it. And that's what sin will do. It'll, it'll take all the good out, and it'll promise good food. And all, the, all the good will be taken out of it, and you'll just be left with the pods. But, but anyway, he, he, he said, you know what, I'd even eat. It'd be like, I'd, it'd be like saying, I'd, I'd even eat tree bark. I mean, you got to be pretty low to eat something like that. But that he would have gladly have done that. He was so hungry. He was starving to death. And then he came to his senses. Verse 17. There, and here we see repentance. And amid all the oinks and the squeals of the pig pen, this man came to his senses. All before he had said, you know what? I'd rather starve than go back home. I'd rather eat what the pigs are eating than go back home. But eventually, he came to his senses. He woke up. He had a wake-up call. Verse 17. The Bible, your Bible may translate as, he came to himself. 
Now in Scripture, going the way of sin is sometimes likened to insanity or madness, being crazy. And so this man came to himself. He, he got into a right frame of mind. And apart from Christ, listen, none of us are in our right minds. I've been in churches all my life, and I'll say after Christ, some of us are not in our right minds. But I'm talking about with, specifically in regards to sin. Without the Spirit's work in our lives, we are blind to our condition. We're blind to sin. Our, 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 our minds have been darkened. We have a foolish heart. The Bible says that, that because of that, there's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that seeks after God. And the Bible calls us to have a change of mind about our sin. And that's called repentance. And that's what this young man did. He recognized what he had done. He had a change of mind about his sin. What he once glorified in was now distasteful to him. That's repentance. He had a change of mind. And he finally sees where he sat. And he sees where his sin and where his sinful lifestyle have gotten him. They've gotten him off in the far country, far away from, from home, far away from the Father, sitting in the, the pig pen. And the Bible says that he, sitting there at rock bottom, came to his senses. And we all need to come to our senses and I ask, have you come to your senses today? Has there been a time when, when, when you've had a change of heart about your sin? When you see it for what it is? A thing of shame and debasement. And this man came to his senses. And the Bible says, um, verse 18, he, he made a resolution. He says, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go to the Father. He knew he didn't have a claim on the Father. He recognized his sin against him. He didn't know what the reception would be. All he knew is, is I'm going to go back home and I'm going to cast myself at his feet, at his mercy. Maybe he will show mercy upon me. Maybe he will show me grace. And he resolved to go to the Father. And that leads to his return. His return. He comes up with what he's going to say, verse 19. You ever done that? I've got a big conversation to have. I'm working through exactly what I'm going to say. And he, he crafts it. And as he's making his way back, I'm sure he's rehearsing it. He's thinking, how, how am I going to say this? And, and what, is, what is the father's response going to be? But he repented. And he returned home to the father. And as C.H. Spurgeon uh, noted many years ago, uh, this man didn't return with a wine glass in his hand or a, a harlot on his arm. He left his sins behind. He didn't, he, he didn't come to the Father and say, Father, uh, I'm coming to you, but I'm bringing all my sin with me, and I just want to keep it. I just want you to take me back home, uh, take, to take me back in, and I'm, I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to kind of tack you on. And listen, you can't tack God on to your sinful life. It's not that uh, God, God is all about changing us. He's not about leaving us the same, and then we go to church. He, he wants a change from the inside out, and He's the one that brings about that change. Listen, the, the wine and the harlots and all the rest, that's what got him to the pig pen. And he wanted to leave that behind. He wanted to, to, to leave that piece of his life behind him. And today it might be that, that you need to come to the Father, not bringing your sin, whatever that, may, whatever that sin is. Not trying to tack your relationship with God onto to, to a, a debased lifestyle, but rather repenting of your sin, leaving it behind and coming to Him, casting yourself at His feet for His mercy. 
The old song says, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And that's, that's, the, that's the way we all must come. Next, I want you to see restoration, or you might term it reconciliation. Now, I want you to pay attention to the wording that's used and things that are absent. We don't see this man rushing back to the Father. I think he was trudging along pretty ashamedly. I think he was moving with purpose. But I think the closer he got to home, he was probably thinking about all those things that he had done out in the far country. All the, all the sin, all the debauchery that he had, that he had done. But he got, his, got back home. Verse 20, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, and notice the, notice the contrast, felt compassion for him, and what? He ran. The father, the one who is dignified, the one who had been, it, it would have been uh, amazing. It, it would have been unheard of for the, the father, this, this respectable, aged man, to run to his younger son, especially one who had acted like this. He saw that young man a long ways off, and he ran out to meet him. He didn't make the young man come begging and pleading and, and doing this act and that act of contrition. He didn't, you know, he didn't say, you have to say uh, 25 Hail Marys and you have to go on this pilgrimage and you have to uh, do this. You, don't, you have to climb up these steps on your knees. He didn't do any of that. Just like the parable of the shepherd, he didn't express disappointment. He didn't express anger. But rather, he rushed to this young man. He felt compassion for him. He, he fell on his neck. He embraced him. He kissed him, and, and, and the wording indicates that he, he was just smothering him with kisses. I mean, you, I can just imagine the, the tears just flowing down his face as he was so overjoyed that his son had come back home. And the son began his speech. He'd been practicing it the whole way home. And, and he said, verse 21, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And what did the father do? He cut him off. He, he, he wasn't interested in hearing all that. The fact that he had come home and showed he had a change of heart. And he called to his servants and told them quickly, hurry it up, bring out the best robe. Likely this was a special robe that was, that was only worn on special occasions like a birthday or, or some other feast. He said, come and, and clothe my son, cover his, his, his tattered garments. He left home with, with nice clothes. He had a suitcase and he's coming home with just the clothes on his back, and, and they're not the ones he left in, and they're tattered, and they're threadbare. Cover that up. Cover his, 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 his dirtiness. Cover that up. Put a ring on his finger. That's, that denotes authority. Due to his position as a son, it would have been a signet ring. Put that on his hand. Put shoes on his feet. Sandals. Now, now that doesn't seem like that big a deal. But listen, evidently he's barefoot because servants went barefoot. If you were a freed person, you, you, you wore shoes. He, he's, he's, he's denoting freedom. I'm not bringing you back as a servant. I'm bringing you back as a son. Then he says, kill the fattened calf. It's time to celebrate. And listen, likewise, when you come to the Father, the Bible says that He will clothe you with the righteousness of Christ. He, he, will, he will take Christ's righteousness and, and it will be credited to your account. All that, the Bible says that all of our, all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. But, but we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. 
And He will cover us. He'll cover our sin. He'll cover our, 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 our failures. He'll cover it with His righteousness. And He'll adopt us into His family and make us a son or a daughter of God. And He will set you free from the penalty of sin. And He will celebrate. There is rejoicing in heaven, Jesus says. Now, if Jesus was just teaching us about the forgiveness of the Father, and that even if you go off in the far country, you can come home and God will forgive you, if that's all He was teaching, He would have ended it right there. But, He reintroduces this older brother. Now, He had mentioned the older brother back at the beginning because He said that the Father divided the inheritance between the two brothers. He's been absent through this whole story. And the reason that he's brought back in is because Jesus is telling us more than that. And here we see resentment. Resentment. This older brother is far away from the father as well. He's close physically, but he's far away in his heart. He's in a far country. He just didn't go there physically, but he's still there in his heart. So the older brother, he comes in out of the field. What's he been doing out in the field? He's been working. He's been, he's been laboring away out in the, out in the heat. He's been working under the sun. We can identify with that lately, can't we? I mean, it's been hot. And, and he's been out there. You know, they didn't have, they didn't have tractors with, a, with an umbrella or, or, uh, or a cab with air conditioning. They were out there doing hard labor under the sun. And that's what this young man was doing. He came in. Here's all this racket coming from the house, all this singing and dancing and music and partying and people laughing and, and, and all these things. And he calls to his servant, what's going on? The servant tells him. And so he throws a tantrum. He says, I'm not going in. And again, what does the father do? He doesn't just go out to meet the younger son. He goes out to the older son too. It's interesting. It's, it's the same, same imagery. He goes out to this son. The son's close to him in proximity, but again, his heart's far from him. And you can hear the disdain for not only his brother, but his father just dripping off of his his words. Contempt because of his father's forgiveness. Verse 29. He doesn't address him respectfully as as father or some uh, some other title. Again, this would have been an insult. He says, look, pay attention, listen up, dad. For many years I've served you. And the word serving is the, a root word that, that means like a bondman. It's somebody that's enslaved. He says, listen up, Dad. I have been slaving for you for years. Slaving away. And I've never neglected anything you've commanded. Now I'm going to talk to the parents for a minute. Have you ever had a child who never neglected anything you said? And the answer to that is no. Children, you may feel like you have done it all, but I can tell you, mom and dad will tell you different. There has been stuff you've neglected, and we are blind to that many times. This, young, this, this older son, he was blind to the fact that he had, he had neglected whatever it was. But we'll just put that aside. He says, I have slaved for you. He, he thought that the basis of his relationship was, was in service, slavish service. And he said, I've never collected and neglected anything you've commanded, and you've never given me a small goat to use to celebrate with my friends, much less the fattened calf that you're... Now listen, a fattened calf's going to feed the whole neighborhood. Now when you think about butchering a cow, 
you don't get just a couple packages of hamburger out of that. I mean, you get the you get the 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 brisket and you get the burger and you get the the roasts and the steaks and all of it. There's a lot of food there. This is a big party. And he says you're you're spending all this 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 money. You're spending all this this expenditure to celebrate this this bro, this son of yours. He wouldn't even call him his own brother. And even not even give me a a, a goat. I just want you to think for a minute. He had this younger son or this this older brother. He had already gotten his inheritance. He had twice as much as what this young man, the, the younger son, who had spent all his his inheritance partying and living it up. He had twice as much as him. Don't you think if he wanted to have a party, he probably could have had his own goat? Yeah. He had two thirds of the estate. And he somehow seems to think that this party was just for entertainment purposes. And the, the father's like, this is not for entertainment purposes only. It is because I'm celebrating. And, and, and listen, this, this older son, he's just doing what he's supposed to have done. And he somehow thinks that because he's done what he's already supposed to be doing, that he's indebted his father to him some, somehow, and he owes him a big party. Listen, he's the 99 sheep that didn't go astray. And finally, I want you to see the rejoicing. The father continues to plead with the older son. He says, all that I have is yours. Your position hasn't changed in the family. You've been with me for a long time. You're still with me. Everything that I've acquired since the, 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 the estate's been divvied up, that's yours. It's, it's at your disposal. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because the loss has been found and the dead's been made alive. And the parable ends in an open-ended way because that's where it stops what did this man do what did the older son do what was his response because he very well could have said this man speaking of the father this man eats with sinners that's the point because that's what these people were accusing jesus of doing and jesus is saying you guys are just like the older brother Stomping his foot, having a fit in the field. It's ridiculous. When the sinner repents, when he comes to the Father, there is celebrating in heaven because God delights in saving sinners. He delights in restoring them and adopting them into his family. And and the, the question that is begged by this ending is, will you, will we join in that celebration? Will you celebrate when when one of these lost ones is found? Will you celebrate when the prodigal returns? And listen, maybe, maybe you are a prodigal. You're a Christian. But you don't like the rules and the regulations of the Father. And for a time, you've gone out to the far country. You've gone out to the distant land. You, you've lived it up. You've lived riotously. You've lived loosely. Maybe you've squandered much of your life. And the invitation that is, that is latent in this text is for you to come home. Christian, will you come home to the Father? He stands ready to welcome you back. Or it could be that, that you've never repented. It could be that, that maybe, you, maybe you grew up in a, a Christian home. Maybe you didn't. 
But you're not where you need to be. You're not in the Father's house. Listen, cast yourself on God's mercy. Do it today. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. But if you will come to Him in repentance and faith, He will shower you with compassion. He will adopt you into His family and He will set you free. Once you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just want you to examine your own heart. Are you in the far country? Have you run away from God? Maybe you're like the younger son and you've lived it up. You're involved in stuff you shouldn't be involved in. Debauchery, sin, drunkenness, whatever it is. Maybe you're like the older son. From the outside looking in, you'd say, he's the dutiful son. He's the one who stayed home. He's the one that's not gone off and done all this wild stuff. But yet he was still far from the father. He thought that his relationship with the father was based on, on slavishly serving of actions You can be in the far country in your heart and be sitting in a church. And the invitation of this parable is to come to the Father. Recognize your sin against God. Repent of it. Confess it to God. And He'll restore you. He will reconcile you to Himself. Heavenly Father, if there's, um, if there's any of us who is far away from you, we ask that you would let us know. And let us not be like the Pharisees who are good at confessing the sins of others, but to confess our own sins. And God, we thank you for your, for your love, for your compassion, for your grace, for your mercy, that welcomes the wayward son or daughter home. That you bring out the, the robe of your righteousness and, and wrap the sinner in. You adopt us into your family and you set us free. God, if there's somebody here me today that's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I ask that you would draw them to yourself. And let them experience that. And for the Christian maybe who's off in the far country, I pray that you would bring them back to yourself. Thank you, God, for your mercy to sinners like us. In Jesus' name, amen.